Welcome to the 9642 Podcast. This is your host, Mr. Number 9. And this is the fool. Hello, everyone. Before we get into our core topics, which are football, EPL in particular, and occasionally Champions League and international football, we have some hot new gossip. Well, it's no longer gossip anymore, is it? It's hot <laughs> news coming straight off the press. So I believe we've had rants from, or at least podcasts from last season, where we talked about Newcastle being bought by Saudi, the Saudi uh, Sovereign Wealth Fund. Yeah. Um, whose name I cannot remember, headed by Mohammed bin Salman, who has who was planning to buy Newcastle. It got blocked by the UK government for various reasons and the Premier League. <coughs> totally not because the big six clubs told them not to. That wasn't the reason, right? No, no. As and, far also as we not, know. and also not because mm-hmm. the Qatari um, broadcaster broadcast also in the Middle East was upset with Saudi Arabia for their part. Yeah. And so they went to the, so they were like, you can't do this Premier League, we paid lots of money. Yeah. No, the, the, the BN one is an actual legit complaint, like I have yeah. no issues with that one. But there was a lot of, like, there was a lot of open complaints from the big six going, this yeah. will change the factor and you shouldn't allow this sort of money to come in the league. I'm like, I'm sorry. <laughs> Manchester City, <laughs> Chelsea. <laughs> this kind of money. <laughs> yeah. Even like Manchester United and Liverpool, like all those six clubs are owned by billionaires. I'm sorry, what is yeah. your argument here again? Yeah, I think it goes a long way down before you get to the millionaire, multi-millionaires things. Because it's a good idea. I think it's kind of what was the net worth of the owners of all 20 um, Premier League clubs. And yeah, it's crazy that how far down you get to the still. Yeah. And the, the bottom club, there's a few old 320 million um, owners, but yeah, they're the, the short change people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Mike Ashley was one of them, who no longer exists, and yeah. that's relevant. So after all that problem, and I think Bean's problem would have probably been solved out, but there was uh, probably, along with the pressure from the other Premier League clubs. That is why the Premier League felt empowered to go ahead yeah. with black, uh, blocking the move. Quote, unquote, empowered. <laughs> this is the thing, right? The big six don't mind, like, okay, the owners, the fans mind, but the owners of Liverpool don't mind if Man United win. Or Sheikh Mansour doesn't mind if Man United or Liverpool win. Because that means the system is in play. Yeah. They definitely mind seeing a club like Leicester or Newcastle for sure, because yeah. at least Leicester, I think they were planning to figure out how to live in that post-Leicester world, yeah. whereas Newcastle was like, you know, it's literally coming out of left field and they don't know how to sort that out. So they're quote-unquote imposters, right? They're the, they're the clubs that the big three don't want to end up becoming powerful, finding billionaire yeah, owners. Yeah. That, that's what's bad for the them. Yeah, yeah. Or at least that's the worst outcome for them. Yeah, well, from them, that would be diluting against the, the money pool, right? Now you're having yeah. a big seven into it, or a big eight, and having to spread that money around even further. That's bullshit money, sand money, merchandise money. Yep. 
as well as, as uh, championship money yeah. or prize money. So um, I just liked or found it a little bit funny that the Premier League did emphasise the the reason the reason why they were allowing it, which wasn't though, like it's not the BN thing, but they definitely emphasised the we've got assurances that the Saudi government will keep out of the running of the Saudi government's investment fund. Which is like, I'm sorry, you have assurances that the guy who's the head of the Saudi government is going to keep out of it, even though yeah. he runs this business? Even though he's also the head of this fund, who has 86 years in Newcastle. Like, I'm not sure how this works. Like, does he, does he have a little name tag and he slips to the river and say, I'm now, I'm no longer the crown prince, I'm just the chairman of, yeah. the, um, of the investment fund? Like, yeah. where is this line? Okay, you've got assurances could work really hard. Pretty much. The, the only way I can see that working is if, for some reason, the financial funds, investment fund, isn't going to take an active managerial role, but it's just there for money. I have some thoughts on that. I think yeah. that Amanda Stavely, who is the front lady for this mm. deal, who uh, basically put it all together and has a 10% stake in the club now is probably going to be going forward the face of yeah, yeah. this operation. Like, without getting too deeply into politics, um, Mohammed bin Salman is no Sheikh Mansour. Like, you can have your issues with Sheikh Mansour here. Mansour is nowhere near as unpopular as Mohammed bin Salman is. Yeah. And, like, just. You know, murdering citizens in your own embassy is a big no-no, just as a rule, if you weren't aware. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's one of my rules for life as well. Yeah, like, you know, the, okay, murder is already against the law, don't get me wrong, but like, we all know, like, you know, countries murder individuals, like it happens, like the, you know, people tend to go, yeah, your embassy is like a safe ground, like you don't do that, especially not to your own citizen. Yeah. Yeah, well, I think because she's show, Amanda Stavely has shown she's really capable, knows how to yeah. knows her way around a boardroom and how to sort these things out. Yeah, I think the her reward is going to be she gets to run the business and be the front face of this new enterprise, basically the Ed Woodward of Newcastle, and take things forward. That's things like it changes. A lot. Like, this is not the same as when Sheikh Mansour bought Manchester City. Manchester City, in many ways, and you talk to a lot of long-time Manchester City fans, like people who have supported Manchester City all through their lives, went there when, you know, back when the club was in the, in League One, like, yeah. you know, and had to go through back-to-back -back relegations to get all their way back up and things like that. Like, There's a reason why their supporters group openly basically criticized uh, Guardiola for complaining that the fans don't show up because, A, we're in the middle of a pandemic, so yeah. come on. Like, who are you <laughs> to tell, you know, working class people that they need to spend money? Which I think, completely fair enough, Manchester City fans, like, yeah. uh, good on you even for, like, uh, calling uh, Guardiola on, on that. Yeah, they do have other things to concentrate on. So. Yeah, and secondly, the whole thing is that you know the their identity is still is in flux because of the you know the takeover. Yeah, it's a thing that they struggle with for as long as I know. Before the Sheikh Mansour takeover, City took pride in not being a big club. 
They didn't have Glory Hunter fans. They didn't have people coming in from all over the world just to come in, you know. Like, the, they were the anti-Manchester United. They almost defined yeah. themselves by what they weren't, which is not Manchester United. They weren't Manchester United, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not something they signed up for. Yeah, yeah. Am I saying they don't enjoy winning shit? Of course they enjoy winning shit. Yeah, yeah. Nobody's saying that at all. It's having to balance those things together, right? Like, we're winning yeah. stuff that's really great. Like, we're doing really well, we've got great players, you know, good times each week, but now we're sort of Manchester United. In fact, it's more now almost that United is not City as opposed to us not being United. So you say that um, crisis society is trying to yeah. realign themselves and say, well, we're winning stuff that's good, but what we prided ourselves on has been sold in the process. So does that balance out? And some of them will be a bit more idealistic about it. So we should have held on to our intentions. That's who we were at the club. Yeah. City themselves sort of have to the club has to sort of accept that those sort of fans are going to be either be disgruntled or leave, and yeah. or leave and be disgruntled. Um, but yeah. obviously they're like, we'll collect more fans and the club doesn't care. Such. They've got to put up with the fact that some of the fans, especially the older, hardcore fans at the core of their sport, are going to be vocal about this at points. They say, even though it's been many years now, it's still a thing that takes a while to sort of get in. So they can still be like... Do you know yeah. Chelsea fans who have issues with Roman Abramovich as well? Yeah. This, is yeah, not exactly. a, this is not a city-only thing. Now, no. to put a the other way around, Manchester, uh, Newcastle United are not in that boat. Very much so not in that boat. Oh, no. They've always been a club with a lot of supporters. They've always kind of seen themselves as a big club, uh, yeah, yeah. rightfully or wrongfully. <laughs> I, I'm not making a comment on that because, like, I understand why, and it makes sense. They've, oh, yeah. If you, you know, go to a sports cafe to watch a football game, before Sheikh or takeover, that is, a game between Manchester United and Newcastle, you would see plenty of Newcastle jerseys. They will not outnumber the United jerseys, but there were plenty of them, you know. Yeah. How many times would you see City jerseys before the Sheikh Mansour takeover in a you might see one occasionally. You yeah, might yeah, yeah. you know, like one or two, like occasionally, but that's about it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, City wasn't a internationally supported team. Yeah. It was a, a rare thing to find. Yeah, it's a takeover under every stone these days. But yeah, I know what you mean. Newcastle, you know, <laughs> there were multiple fans of that and you know, of them calling themselves a big club. There were and yeah. they still sort of in terms of supporter base, they have a 55k stadium. Like Manchester City uh, moved into the city of Manchester Stadium at the Etihad, as we know now, and they needed to get the number of seats reduced because remember the city of Manchester Stadium was built for the Commonwealth Games. Yeah. So they kind of had two lotteries. One, if you think about it, they got a free stadium and they got a. Uh, and one of the reasons why like, the Commonwealth Games really wanted to have a legacy thing and not have a white elephant in the middle of Manchester, they, so they need ask Manchester City to move in. So they got some very favorable terms yeah. for their lease to move in. They didn't get a free stadium, quote unquote. I'm not, you know, they didn't get, uh, they're not West Ham is what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. But they got some very favorable terms. Um, and also, let's be honest, like, shit. You know, when the lease ends, they they have more than enough money to buy that stadium now. If yeah, they, yeah. they're not going to move out because Sheikh Mansour has paid a lot of money to develop the area around yeah, yeah. the Etihad. But, you know, nobody's going to claim that the Etihad has the atmosphere that Main Road used to have. That's already proof about, I think, the club identity. And that's before, you know, the Sheikh Mansour takeover happened. Yeah, yeah. 
you know, Chelsea, when Roman Abramovich took over, Chelsea saw Roman Abramovich rightfully as a savior figure because Chelsea were going close to going bankrupt. Yeah, yeah. Like, people uh, like Ken Bates was basically like, yeah, I'm going to stay as long as I can, but I don't know how long I can. Yeah, yeah. It's like, it would have maybe a year or two more if he could hold out, but he needed yeah. to sell. Oh, yeah. And yeah, and they were selling players like to yeah. you know fund and say they were based. I wouldn't say they were as bad as Newcastle under Mike Ashley were, yeah, yeah. but they were not in a good position. No. Yeah, Chelsea fans saw Roman Abramovich as a savior um, for different reasons. Um, Newcastle <laughs> fans will also see Mohammed bin Sal, uh, you know, or at least Saudi Arabia uh, sovereign wealth fund as as saving them from Mike Ashley. Oh. Like in our lifetime, the Newcastle United went from a club that competed for the Premier League. Yeah, had some of the best players in England. Yeah, and was like, you know, literally when, like, you know, they broke the world transfer record yeah. to buy a player in Alan Shearer. Like, yeah, you know, yeah, exactly. So they were not a, a small club at all. No. Like, they went to two UEFA Cup finals, they came second in the Premier League twice, and yeah, yeah. Et so they were one of those clubs. And, the, and under Bobby Robson, they were a regular Champions League club. Yeah. One of the things we know is that Roman Abramovich really wanted to have a Champions League club, yeah. or at least wanted to buy a club that was in the Champions League. Oh, that was like his number one criteria, pretty much. Yeah. And so if that season, if Newcastle had not finished fifth, and it was like a last day thing, it was yeah, a yeah, very was close fun. run thing, which poor Bobby Robson got fired for, if they had not finished fifth that season and instead finished fourth, Roman Abramovich might have just bought Newcastle, you know, instead. Oh, yeah. I don't know if that would have been the case. Chelsea is in London and, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's sort of his two main criteria. Champions League football in London. So it would have been interesting if it turned up the other way because we already gone Champions League but Newcastle or London but not Champions League. It would have it would be interesting to see which one of those two criteria was more important to yeah. Abramovich at that point. And it's 50-50. It yeah, yeah. Uh, he didn't have to make that choice in the end, but, you know, no. I'm sure he would have had to, he would have weighed it, you know, in that situation. And there's no, like, easy answer. But, yeah, in an alternative universe, you know, Abramovich brought me, that is yeah. fully a possibility. And, yeah, you're right, the fans at Newcastle, I'm speaking of the team, um, Friday, they have a new yeah. kind of response yeah. by um, the Newcastle fans. They're celebrating, you know, there's a whole heap of them out, all celebrating the, just the news of the takeover that it's going to go ahead. They're super happy. Well, I know who are Newcastle fans who I haven't spoken to in years yeah. are like texting me and <laughs> like excited. And, you know, yeah. that I don't blame them. Good on you. Go oh. and enjoy yourselves. <laughs> exactly. Absolutely. Uh, because it sucks to have a shitty owner. Um, like, my immediate thoughts were like, is Newcastle going to win a Premier League before United now? And are people, like, 20 years from now, when they mention, say, United, are they going to refer to Newcastle instead of, like, Manchester United? Yeah, yeah. It changes the whole landscape. And it's like, you know how we were all kind of saying it's, you, for years we've had podcasts going on about, you know, Manchester City have the ability to become a scary, good, unstoppable club. Yeah. That's also, that's almost Newcastle on steroids. Newcastle is Manchester yeah. City on steroids. I know. Almost. They've added, almost. Well, the amount of money that's now behind them is so ridiculously large. That yeah. It's bigger belief. I don't know if you can have 
you even need to be honest. They are pretty much matched the city on steroids. The only yeah. place you almost is any of the financial fair play rules and all the other things that sort of play into it to limit some of that. Um, yeah. But the financial resources we've got behind it now is staggeringly big. So we are going to go into Newcastle, obviously, but just as a general thing, like obviously we're going to look at their schedule because we're going to look at relegation threatened clubs. Um, <laughs> but United, uh, Newcastle's, obviously their main goal this season is to not get relegated, I yeah. think. Like, And after that, it sky's the limit. Pretty much, yeah. So I think that's the, the thing from this year is, is Keep in the Premier League. Um, yeah. And heck, worst case scenario, they get relegated to the Championship. Even then, even if they take, like, that's a season, even if they take two or three seasons to get back up yeah. because they need to fix things up and um, all that other stuff, like, you know, the uh, because obviously they'll be forced to use a way smaller budget if uh, they're in the... Uh, if they're in the championship uh, due to financial fair play rules. Uh, yeah. But even if that were to happen, like, okay, um, that's only temporary. Yeah. And the thing is, I think the important part for Newcastle Club, Newcastle fans, and yeah. the owners, is to take a long-term view of yeah. the club. Like, they're not going, they can't be expecting straight away that they're going to get trophies here and their Champions League finals or whatever. Like, they're still going right. to take time, um, and it all from a certain point of view, it's almost worth, almost be good for them to be relegated down. So I don't think the money is running away at that point. Yeah, and they won't get. And it's terrible for the fans. Don't get me wrong. Oh, terrible for the fans. But from the sense of building the club um, in the right way, and not having to have the money, you know, fall from the sky and get all stasi eyes and get a bit. You know, head over heels about all the possibilities. You know, it's a bit of a rebuild where you rebuild up and and get back up that way. I think they can do it now doing that. Like, and I don't think they will. So obviously, they're going to have a January transfer window um, to yeah. make the changes they need. And clearly, they're going to get a, a coach switch almost immediately. And I think everybody's yeah. in agreement it's going to be Conte. Like, is there uh, another option? I'd be very surprised if it wasn't Conte. Um... Yeah. I don't think there's another option at the moment. I don't think there is. I look, Conte is obviously a great coach, no yeah. doubt. He would fit very well. I'm sure Newcastle fans would be very happy to have Conte. But let's be honest, Newcastle fans would be very happy just not to have Steve Bruce right now. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, hate, I hate to say it because he's obviously a Manchester United legend, um, uh, Steve Bruce. That is. Um, so, but you know, the Newcastle fans don't like him for obvious reasons. He's seen as a bit of a, a front man for Mike Ashley, which he yeah. is. And to be fair, that's his job. <laughs> be <laughs> like back the owner, right? Like yeah, yeah. Uh, not everybody can be a Mourinho type. No, exactly. You're obviously going to get a manager change. Uh, Conte, as you said, is the first choice. But does And Conte is happy to do a long-term project. He's done it at Juventus yeah, before. Yeah. And he was all set on doing it at Chelsea as well. Yeah, yeah. By all reports. Yeah. Well, that's what I was sort of expecting with him there. But that didn't really turn out that way. Yeah, well, 
as we've, I think Chelsea now have accepted, they are not a club that does long-term projects. That's no, not no. the identity of the club. No, it's very clear. It's nice to have those things, but they're not necessary. Yeah. Well, we've yeah. got our long-term project in Abramovich, really. He's our long-term project. I think, obviously, Newcastle is going to look to improve their youth setup because now yeah. Newcastle, if they don't get relegated, they've got the whole northeast of England, effectively, yeah. and the far north of England for their radius. Like Sunderland, they might come back up. Um, I, I have heard some promising things about their new ownership group. Uh, yeah. Middlesbrough seem to be uh, like, you know, forever a yo-yo club. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, so... The Newcastle is in a prime position to basically do, they do the opposite of Brentford, where Brentford had to get rid of their uh, get rid of their academy because it didn't make sense to keep it. Yeah. yeah. Whereas I think uh, Newcastle, like that's that would be the, I think that would be the obvious startup. Like you yeah. start by going, yep, we're uh, we're uh, investing in youth, and this is how it go- uh, this is how it's going to go. And then slowly uh, sell money, yeah, you know, buy and sell a few players who are obviously not going to be good enough to get into the Newcastle team for yeah. Conte, and then you know use that as a regular you know money making thing to get clear of the yeah. FFP violations. Yeah. Like what's going to be interesting to me is whether. Uh, Newcastle becomes the front club of a global brand, like the way uh, Red Bull and uh, City Group have done. Yeah, yeah. That could be interesting. Because that is the... Well, yeah, everybody who's done, like, uh, economics at any level understands (laughs) the whole value of, like, you know, having vertical integration into your brands and, you know, cha- and chaining all these, uh, you know, value chains, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, yeah. like, and by everybody who's done in econo- done economics, uh, I, d- I don't count myself because I haven't <laughs> done economics. <laughs> so if you're sitting there wondering, like, you sound like you don't know what you're talking about, you're absolutely right. <laughs> very astute of you to notice or rather maybe not that astute of you to notice I was assuming you were going to but you know at the end of the day like everybody could see the like Manchester City has uh, obviously got clubs all over the world with uh, Mumbai New York just to say a few and they're all strategically placed and look they're all strategically placed because they are all obviously sports washing enterprises but the given that there is a global rivalry uh, geopolitically involved that I could see that happening um, and I think to be fair unlike Manchester City fans um, Newcastle fans are quite comfortable being that club yeah no definitely and I think um, you're right that the youth development will probably be the way forward for them and not to talk ourselves up too much but they've got a great model here with Chelsea like Chelsea and Holland, City and for that City. matter and yeah, obviously yeah. Red Bull who yeah, yeah. are like probably the textbook ability Actually, yeah. yeah yeah 
So as you say, they'll have a nice big catchment area to, to connect people in from just natively, plus, you know, if they've got a good setup, then they're going to be um, getting people in from far and wide, because that's, yeah, when you're a youth player, that's what you're looking for, you're looking for a good setup, good training facilities, and a, and a good club that's going to give you opportunities, so that you can springboard your career. So if they get a good setup, they'll be flying high, as you say. From a marketing point of view, like, the sky's the limit. And you've got that sort of market money behind you, and the ability to, to really leverage it globally and, as you say, already got a reasonably strong uh, global supporter base. Yeah. Like, sure, it's probably dwindled over the last sort of 10, 15 years, but it's yeah. always there and it still is there. Uh, yeah. That, you know, it's still something that can be picked up and, and with that sort of money and pushing, you know, you can push that, that advertising a long, long way and it'll definitely fire back up because the other side of that is they're going to get more talented. They're going to have good yeah. footballers. Sure, there's a, a good argument going online about, well, who are they going to get? Because they have to sort of... Who's their Robinho signing? Like the way Sheikh Mansour yeah. and the City Group got Robinho back in the day? Yeah, yeah. Who is their Robinho signing? Exactly. Because it is a little harder because there's so many big clubs now with big money behind them that a lot of the good players sort of have been spread with Good contracts where they are and good um, sponsorship deals and all the rest. So, Tierra, a good player, a current marquee player away, is going to take a bit of bit of doing. Um, I mean, maybe they've been a bit earlier in the year when they wanted to. There's a certain, you know, Messi um, that they could have been throwing a ton of money at for that. I'd love sort of to say, see uh, Lionel Messi in Spanish going on about how he really, really loves. Uh, Newcastle all his life and is <laughs> really excited to be at the club of his dreams. And it would have been the best price. But, I mean, I don't know next summer, um, you know, PSG can hold on to all their players. There's still problems at Barcelona and Madrid. Clubs, Barcelona, right? I think there's a lot of good, pl- and even good young players for them to take that, like Ansu Fati, yeah. there's Usman Dembele, um, there's uh, Pedri like these are players Barca don't want to sell don't get me wrong no. but I think also uh, do we think Barca have a choice? I yeah well that's the point like you've got clubs there that are, their financial positions and such that they probably don't have a choice yeah you know? they still haven't shared enough players to to really get themselves back under equal footing hell actually when I'm thinking about it there's also the obvious choice of Haaland. I mean, yes. that's, he's actually coming up for the end of the contract. So they can like, even money. British, you'd be like, yeah, even though I, if my dad played for Leeds and I was a, yeah, yeah. a young Leeds boy, <laughs> I was totally always a Geordie fan my whole life. Yeah, yeah. And it's great that I get to... You can see the press conference now. That's beautiful. Like, it's a beautiful thing. Don't get me wrong. So yeah, it will be interesting to see who they start um, stepping up. Yeah. Because that is the best argument I've had seen of why it's not necessarily going to work out, is that where are, the, where are these marketing plans coming from? They can buy yeah. a couple of them, but the top six, hell, even the, the top six is not a good thing. The top three or four in the Premier League have got all the good players. So, like, you have to beat the squads of City of Liverpool, 
United. It's a hard thing to do, to build that bigger squad up. So. Everybody, uh, and I mean everybody, talks about, oh yeah, we're going to build up a great uh, scouting system like um, Leicester City. By the way, guys, how many clubs do we know that have built a good, uh, as good a scouting system as Leicester City? I can't think of any. Oh, it's Leicester City, and uh, hmm. yeah, Leicester City. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah, exactly. So it's not that easy to do, as basically our point here. Yeah. Well, the same same principle applies, right? There's yeah. still six, seven, eight clubs with billions upon billions of dollars per it. And only a limited number of people refer it at. So they're all good There's definitely a diminishing point of returns at some point. Like, yeah. $10 billion makes you way richer than somebody who's willing to uh, do $2 billion. But, you know, $200 billion, you're kind of like, you know, you're not really spending that much more than the $10 billion guy at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because of financial fair play and how that all works. Yeah, exactly. So... But, you know, I would, but let's be honest here. Newcastle are, they have a, a premiership and possibly a Champions League in their future, at least. In the, I think, I would be very surprised if Newcastle did not win the league by 2035. I'm being very conservative, I think, but That's like... Super conservative. I could imagine that, I'd say 2030, I'd be surprised or not. I'd give the outside possibilities that they missed out by a point or two, and maybe it was by something just off during that, you know, some like eight, nine seasons. But I would think 2030, that should definitely have won something. Yeah, off substitutes. Yeah, if they get a manager like Conte, I'd be very surprised if Conte would be willing to stay if they didn't win. Yeah. I think yeah. Conte would be happy with, with cup wins and Champions League. Uh, finish yeah. it because I think he's a, he'd be enough of a realist to go. I can't win, you know, we can't win every season, just look at that. Yeah. what we're up against, you know. So it's, it's but if he'll be happy with Champions League most seasons, once again, you know, it's still going to be yeah. seven, eight yeah. teams Even, that are when are the next qual look at this season? Let's just assume they're not going to qualify for the Champions League. No. I don't think. That's uh, unfair. Um, but when are they going to qualify for the Champions League again? I would say probably in the next three or four seasons. So City pretty much did it uh, as soon as they got their first season, I, I believe. Mm -hmm. And obviously, Chelsea was already in the Champions League when they... Yeah. But, yeah, so you think next season? Because it's a tough, tough... No, yeah. I think two or um, maybe three seasons. No, next season, season after. Okay. Potentially the one after that. Like they might be. I think yeah, this season they'll survive somewhere. Who knows where they end up? Next season, probably UEFA spots. Season after that, fourth or fifth would be mine. But in the season after that, if they're not fourth, they'd be champions bigger. Because this is. England gets about six total of six competitors in Europe. This is including the European uh, Conference League, which they've just introduced. No, it's um, seven, isn't it? Sorry, seven, please. Yeah. Seven places, and at most they can. I I think even if every club, like you know, they did the triple, like uh, England were to do the triple and get like all three of the uh, leagues, I think at most they can have eight clubs yeah 
Like, that's my gut feeling about it. Uh, so, this is the thing. Eight doesn't go into seven, right? No matter how you look at it. Yeah, yeah. One of these clubs are missing out at the... Yes, yeah, so it's seven out of seven at the moment. Um, one of these clubs are missing out at... It's seven out of seven. I think that's not including Leicester. Yeah. No, that's including... Uh, that's basically at the moment... Big six plus, um, including Big Six plus Leicester gets the seven out of seven places. I'm not currently including Everton because they weren't invited to the Super League and they haven't recently won and they have okay, in yeah. the, and competed, you know, played in the Champions League. Whereas I think Leicester have consistently qualified for a European spot. Yeah, uh, yeah. Leicester definitely counts. Yeah. I just, Everton, I think, have been counting a match, but they're fairly consistent. If Everton and West Ham are in there as well, then you've got a big 10 looking uh, to go into seven. Actually, that's a good point. West Ham counts, but Everton counts. Everton and West Ham, or Everton at least, I think, yeah. They're still in the Billionaires Club for owners. Yeah, and West yeah. Ham are a London club with a big stadium. Yeah, so they're pretty close to it as well. Yeah. Um, and if we're so, looking at billionaire owners, I think Southampton have billionaire owners, uh, Wolves have billionaire owners. And, that's a good point. But they don't bring And Watford have billionaire None of them make Europe on a regular basis. At least Everton and um, West Ham make Europe on a regular basis. Quote, unquote. Yeah. Uh, but that being said, uh, the, I think with the new version of the Champions League, there's a bit of an expansion. Is that right? To, to I yeah. don't know if it expands the total number of teams competing. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it did, it did expand the total number of teams um, competing. I don't know if it expanded England's quota. Maybe it expanded by the one. Might be. But even then, uh, at best case scenario, we're looking at 8 into 8 versus eight and, uh, 10 into 8, which is yeah. potentially what can happen. Yeah. That's the other side of it. Um, so competing, I think, at the moment, just getting into the Europa League is uh, probably uh, uh, like a club like Leicester, I think. Their goal is to always qualify for Europe, and I think they're they're targeting winning the Europa League at least. Yeah. Like that's a very important competition for them because you know, if they fall fall outside the top four, which is kind of likely, you know, that gives them a Champions League spot. But also, I think you know, uh, they don't have a big English club to compete with in the Europa League. Um, they don't have any of the big clubs from the other countries to compete with. Yeah. And to be honest, if they're not good enough to beat clubs like, um, or like Man United weren't good enough to beat Cl uh, Villarreal, if they're not good enough to beat clubs like, you know, Atletico Bilbao or Real Betis and the like, then, you know, they don't deserve to be in the Champions League. I'm sorry. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, the Newcastle thing is definitely going to change everything. Mm -hmm. uh, the other. Uh, see, like, the whole thing, like, it's put every club on notice because I think, for example, like, from a Manchester United point of view, they were probably a bit casual about how quickly they want to get the uh, Pogba deal sorted out um, because they had, uh, uh, I can't remember, uh, I believe, uh, the player from... Uh, he play, uh, the, a player from AC Milan who plays in their midfield whose name I escapes me just at the moment, who they're like, yep, he's the Pogba ready-made replacement right there. 
And the thing is that that kid could go, that guy could go and play for, um, uh, you know, Newcastle now. And uh, if he's happy to go out of uh, Italy, uh, which not a lot of Italian players are, Frank Kessie, that's who I'm thinking of, yeah. I think Frank Kessie was the guy United were basically going, yep, this is our ready-made, like-for-like replacement for uh, the uh, Paul Pogba. Yeah, yeah. Without uh, give or take. Uh, but the whole thing is like, now they're like, yeah, we have to get this deal done. Kessie's not going to want to play at Newcastle if there's no Champions League next year, which I think is fair, potentially, because he's a good player. But the moment the uh you know but if you know newcastle come up to him and put him on an offer he can't refuse he might not refuse it yeah exactly and it might be a a contract which you know sure it's not champions league next year but there'll be champions league in each number of years yeah like in three years. like you know they might even be like oh yeah and if we get to the champions league by the way we're paying you this much extra because yeah. that's worth well, it we don't- or if we don't make it, then you're predefining the club and we'll pay, or we'll pay this much as a, you know, sorry, we screwed up for it. Yeah. Like, so that you know he has a, a out. The promises don't come true. He's yeah, yeah. On it, on it. You'll get Champions League in a few years' time. But, like, oh, if you don't, then here's what happens if you don't. So we've got a clear out for you. And here's what happens if you do. It's the money anyway. Yeah. Uh, you have to remember that the first qualification for the Champions League is what allowed City to get players like David Silva and Aguero. Yeah. Aguero. Yeah, well, I mean, it's what got us our money. <laughs> I understand. Yeah. It's just I do look at the moment and think, even with 320 billion behind you, and say, yeah. it's going to be hard getting the champs, as we just pointed out, with the, the pure number of clubs sitting around. Yeah. It's going to be hard to get... The math is hard. Yeah. Without those players first. Yeah. Hard, and those players won't come without it. So sort of... And I think also with with due respect to Newcastle, Manchester City were not a club like going into relegation. They were a club that was kind of mid-table, and Chelsea yeah, had yeah. just qualified for the Champions League. So they already had a good squad. They're, like Frank yeah. Lampard was already there. John Terry okay. was already there. Yeah. Um, Timoteo was still playing... Jimenez. He still had, um, what's his name? His name just goes straight out of my head, even though it's the same in my head. But that guy. Uh, yeah, that guy. The striker. The striker. Um, Zola was still there. Like, Zola specifically Zola. had to agree not to just play in the, uh, uh, you know, decided, he basically went, yeah, I've got Chelsea to the Champions League and I'm going no, back did. to. Uh, no, not Zola. Um, the other one. No, Zola, Rob yeah. Zola, Zola no, before yeah. the one before the uh, you had Tor Andre Flo, you had Idega Johnson still. Yeah, we had those two. The other ones. Yeah, Idega Johnson was good. They were, both of them were great. Uh, Hasselbank? Hasselbank, yes. See, I was like, I know the guy, he looks like this, he looks like this, he does the good stuff. But, you know, oh, Hasselbank was still... Lloyd Hasselbank, you call yourself a I know. I was, I was berating myself already, and I couldn't remember this. But yes, Hasselbank. Bank. Even players like Dennis legal. Wise and Graham Lasso were there, like very oh, good, able club, able players who'd given you know a year for years had been very good players for Chelsea. Yeah, yeah, that was still there at least to give you know 
back room, talk to ones, just fill in, come off the bench. They were no longer like, starting either of them. And Chelsea so were a club that were making cup finals. They had qualified yeah, yeah. for uh, Europe before. So, you know, they had players who knew how to win at Chelsea as oh. well. Yeah, I mean, the problem with Chelsea just before that was always the consistency. Yeah. We would we'd be able to beat the other quote-unquote big clubs. If there was a club that was obviously on the table, we'd probably beat. If they were blows to the table, we'd probably lose. That was just how it worked. It was yeah, yeah. absolutely annoying. Um, so, yeah, I think the big thing we got out of it all was consistency. Was we started actually getting consistent results. And that. I still remember the year that United got the treble. I believe Chelsea only lost three games. Yeah. Which, yeah, sure, it doesn't sound that impressive in this era of incredible Manchester United and Liverpool teams, but back then people were very impressed. Yes, <laughs> uh, And rightfully so, I will, I will add. Yeah, oh, exactly. It was a, a crazy year all around. Yeah, and so that was the Chelsea, and Chelsea were quite a bit richer and like more and willing to spend money than any other club in uh, the Premier League. Like people openly admitted that you know this was Roman Abramovich had bought Chelsea as a hobby. Yeah, um, yeah. and that's the best kind of owner. Like I hate to say it for you, if you want to be a guy who follows a club that wins things, that is the best type of owner. The guy who's basically playing champ, you know, championship manager. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There was a lot of ridicule at the time, but I think definitely over time it's proven to be the best, the best option. Provided support when we needed it, but hasn't. He's brought in people to run the club and hasn't interfered with how the club gets run, which is that's the bit that you want. With someone who's passionate, a strong enough to actually be passionate about the football club as well. I mean, a lot yeah. of people thought it was a bit of it was a tax haven. Probably that's oh, probably all true, oh. but they both things oh. can be true. <laughs> yes, yes, should say yeah. Also, probably actually true. But there was the implication that all it was also true that possibly he, it was also all he cared about at the beginning. Yeah. But uh, there's evidence to suggest that might be true. But also, like you know, he owned uh, CSK Moscow before he bought yeah, yeah. Chelsea, so he was already interested in football. He's just never experienced English football before, and like he fell in love with the atmosphere at. El- oh, he definitely he caught he caught the fever. Yeah, he caught the fever, and that happens. Yeah. So it became more than just a club, quote unquote, to him. Yeah, exactly, and that's been shown pretty clearly over the years. Yeah. Even if these days he can't really walk for his own toughness, and um, we think these days he doesn't show up to actually watch games live. Anymore. Yeah, well, I think he has trouble getting into the UK, doesn't he? Like, there's um, not there. anymore, but he can. He, he can go into the UK whenever he likes, as long as he doesn't go for business reasons. He refuses to go to the UK if he can't conduct business whilst there. Um, Fair enough. Currently, he actually is there at the moment. He has travelled to the UK um, at the moment, so I think he may be there for the Chelsea's next home game. Um, he's visiting his sister. I think his sister lives there. He's gone to London. Uh, but he, went, he managed to secure an Israeli pass, which allowed that a little easier, but he still can't conduct this. It is what it is. It is what it is. It's literally what can't, can't just conduct this. There's lots of um, fun on social media about how he's, oh, he's just, just taking the tour of Stanford Bridge. Yeah. But just, you know, a little bit interesting to do. Just happened to be touring the boardroom and the CFO's office. And yes. <laughs> there's a perfect little bit of places for the tour to be taken. Absolutely. 
the Newcastle stuff. Like, there's just so much to do, so much happening there. Like, we're yeah. there's a lot of fun speculation, but it's really that all is all there is. We don't really. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, I think that's all we have time for for now. Um, <laughs> we'll definitely be talking to you guys a bit more about other sports that may or may not be going on in the world. We've got EPL and yes. Champions League yeah. to cover. Yeah. But I think for now, that's, we'll say goodbye. Thank you for listening. See you next time.